Greetings, greetings, greetings. Ki Ojo Day, may the day be clearly foreseen. You are now sitting again live with the Divine Presence. Pan African spiritualist, practitioner, author, and advisor, Elagun Oboye, Hudu Obea Bokor. Sharing with you in all things spiritual, mystical, metaphysical, cosmic, evolutionary, revolutionary, healing, and holistic from a Pan-African hoodoo world spiritualist perspective. Understanding that all is truly and indeed a blessing. If you could just see beyond the veil, for it is all just an illusion and a test and one of the greatest divine mysteries of this life cycle. This is my constant prayer, affirmation, reverberation, reiteration, and it is my ever-living reality. All is a blessing. is crucial to the very foundation of my inner standing, my teaching, my walk, my work along this divine, all-blessed life path and journey. It is how I, the Divine Prince, make sense out of all that we are challenged with here in our daily existence on Mother, Father, Earth. And it is my personal place of power and understanding. That place from where I begin, the place from where I crystallize and realize all my endeavors, understanding that I and I alone create and co-create my divine destiny, and I and I alone create and co-create my divine, all-blessed reality. And so it is. Ashe. Greetings, 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 everyone. Thank you so much for your continued support, attendance, participation in this live daily podcast. I am emanating and vibrating with you now live verbally, virtually, cosmically, quantum universally, from this working temple of the House of the Divine Prince, Hoodoo Central LLC, in this legendary, historic, beautiful, and most enchanted city in America, New Orleans, Louisiana, the land of my ancestors and those who came before me along this spiritualist Hoodoo Obey life path and journey passing down the great Obia stick, along with the knowledge of the life-giving herbs, roots, plants, ritual spirits, and minerals. Indeed, I am always humbled, always grateful for the opportunity to spend this time with you to share the legacy, the culture and tradition, the history of our sacred story. More now than ever before, the state of people's minds, hearts, souls, spirits, the state of people's consciousness is in question, is in flux. So we who claim to understand, we who claim consciousness, we who claim to be woke must first understand that spiritual knowledge and power has nothing to do with how much money you have, how well you look, what what your materialistic demonstration may be, it lies in the spiritual knowledge and its ability to produce and manifest powerful, reliable, tangible, lasting 
manifestation and result right here and right now in this most present moment in time space. All else is vanity. All else is ego. All else is an illusion. The creation of sacred space is critical to all that we do, who we are, who we be, who we are becoming. It's not in our stuff or our things or, or presumably your environment as much as it is, is where we are at any given moment in time, where your mind is, where your ori, for indeed we create and recreate our reality with our mouth. And certainly before it passes through your mouth, it's in your head, it's in your consciousness, or we must allow for the manifestation of that which is in our best interest. It cannot be done by some quick magic. It cannot be done remotely without your active participation. It cannot be done without you. So stop giving all your power away. Stop calling all these random, unknown psychics and, and magic workers, most of which have no history, no footprint, no receipts. If I often say, you know, as the kids say, Google me, Google me. But I find it interesting that you all don't Google these charlatans before you end up calling me. <laughs> okay. Oh, friends, it's time. I've lost so much money. I've lost so much time. I've lost so much resources, you know, doing A, B, or C. Okay. Well, who is A, B, or C, and what exactly are they doing? What does A, B, and C entail? And many of you can't tell me. You can't repeat it. You can't enumerate it. I said, well, what are they doing for you? You can't tell me. Well, how are you participating? You have no answer. And so without your active presence in the work, whether it's, you know, in person or virtual, you must be actively present in the work, much like we are actively present in our lives, or, or at least we should be actively present in our lives each and every moment of the day. It, it's a mistake to just wait for it to happen. Let's use weather as an example. It's a mistake to just wait until the hurricane, until the storm is at your door until the water is rushing in. We who live in this hurricane alley understand that we must be prepared at all times. We must be prepared not just during hurricane season. We must be prepared all year. And there are things that we must do all year to ensure our safety, our protection. We have something to fall back on in the case of the major storm, the major hurricane, and certainly in the case that it reaches your doorstep. You certainly want to have already 
put into place, already enacted that which will support you, which will benefit you, which will carry you in this process of dealing with the storm. So I use the storm. I use weather. Sometimes I say the crossroads. The Yoruba people like to say the marketplace. But we are talking about life. We're talking about the very playground, the very working area where we have the ability to change and create and recreate a reality that mirrors. And it's something that we do, the initiated, the voodoo song, the uh, iya, the babalao, the practitioner. It is something, again, that we do that we are immersed in 24 hours a day. Even when I'm asleep, I'm still often, often being contacted to attend to people's needs, to attend to someone's request, to, to attend to someone's urgency. And it's curious to me how urgent many of these requests are um, uh, until it's time to activate, until it's time to do work. Then I have to look for you. Then I have to chase you down. Then I have to wonder, well, did she write down? Did she document or record? Did he make good notes about what I said and what spirit suggested and how we should move forward? And this is not, I, I want to be clear, this is not a judgment. I'm not here to read anyone, if you understand. I'm trying to move my community into a position where we can not only recall and access our Aboriginal, Indigenous uh, spiritual practices, but also so that we aren't taken advantage of. We aren't, you know, the victim of some you know, gambling, uh, fraud, sir. We, we must educate ourselves to protect ourselves. We must learn some new things, some new skills, some new attributes in order to change often the trajectory of our lives, the trajectory of your request, whether it's personal private, career, education, how you earn your living, personal uh, uh, life path choices, love and relationship choices, health and wellness. We must be active and we must be doing the things every day, every day. We don't often talk about, you know, in full circle all the components that certainly go into living a fulfilling, satisfactory spiritual life of manifestation, of protection, of, um, you know, clarity and counsel. We must be actively participating in our healing, in our holistic activity each and every moment of every day. So we awake, we arrive, chanting, singing, 
reciting or re invoking ancestors. but also to reconnect us to the divine in order to move our request forward. The ancestors, as I often say, are our first line of defense. Unlike the angels and, and, and jinn and, and gods and Orisha and Loa, the ancestors have had a human incarnation. Our ancestors have been human, have lived, have experienced, have gained a degree of understanding, especially now that they are operating from spirit realm. So our ancestors who are contracted by God, to all my listeners, hear me clearly, to my Christians, my Muslims, my Jewish listeners, hear me clearly. The ancestors are contracted with God to assist us in our endeavor. And I say with God because, you know, God must allow it. God must certainly give permission for it, uh, just as your ori must allow and must give position for. But we like to envision that, you know, the dead transition, uh, and many of them, you know, are still seeking wholeness. Many of them need healing. Many of them need repair. Many of them are immediately pushed through the recycling process. And so that soul doesn't linger around. That soul is not able to assist you. That soul moves on its divine journey. But our Egungun, our Galete, our ascended ancestors, have made an arrangement with God to continue to assist us in our earthly endeavors. Often these were people who did good, did well, did right while they were living and certainly now go on by contract with God to assist us further, humanity further in moving forward in the evolutionary And certainly they connect most immediately with bloodline, with lineage, with heritage. So we look to our personal ancestors always as our front line of defense. And then there are those ancestors, those deified, uh, glorified ancestors who have done well, continue to do well in this humanity. Uh, from the spirit realm and often pass on uh, anoint individuals with gifts, skills, abilities, knowledge, and awareness that often we would not have or gain on our own. You talk about our first thoughts, you know, we, we talk about dreaming, many of which are not really discuss to any great detail uh, 
whether you're at the university level, uh, wherever you might be, uh, in the religious space, our most religious communities in America, and, and, and I might say in the world, often are not truly spiritual spaces. They are religious spaces governed by man. Man's limited understanding. Sacred space transcends our limited understanding. Sacred space allows for the flow of divine energy unobstructed by humanity and humanity's hand. Sacred space allows for our guardians, our ancestors, our loa, our risha, to enter our space, interact with us in our physical spaces and places and leave with us, you know, I like to speak of it as a divine download and, and, and load us with often information that we might desire, often information that we need, didn't know we needed, often with information to move humanity forward. Spirit is always in communication with us. My very survival rests in voodoo and my ability to connect with spirit. From as young as I can remember, and certainly now in my adult years, my mother, my sister, maybe my father, I don't know, but certainly my sister, my sisters, plural, um, bear witness to my connection to spirit before I understood what spirit was, before I understood what Buddha was. In fact, the very first conversation, um, let's say it was a loud discussion, okay? Uh, it wasn't an argument. It wasn't a fight. It wasn't, quote, unquote, negative. Um, but the first, you know, elevated conversation that I can remember as a child, I might even say as an, as an infant or a toddler, um, was the discussion about Buddha. The dynamics of my family. There were those who wanted to talk about it. Most certainly, my aunt Vera Hunt, may she rest in her room, may she rest in heaven. We call her Aunt Vicky. Most certainly, she pushed forward the conversation, and she saw something in me long before anyone else saw it. Now she calls it ministry. A curious word that I I still use today, and and I often prerequisite by saying I'm not talking about religion when I say ministry. I'm not talking about Christian ministers, Islamic um, um, imams. I'm not talking about, you know, quote-unquote religious figures. I'm talking about those who are, again, operating in the realm of, a spirit. So there was Aunt Vicky and those who wanted to discuss the voodoo, those who did not want to discuss the voodoo, those who questioned the voodoo. 
and the foundation of the conversation was um, about my great uncle, may he rest, you know, or may he rest in heaven, uh, Nephus. We called him Uncle Nee, but his name was Nephus Blind uh, all of my life. Um, but the story suggests he became blind as a young adult, as a young man, through root work, conjure, voodoo. A woman, said woman, and I don't have her name, I don't even have her reason or her motivation why she would do what my family suggested. And she put some type of oil root substance in his hat. And when the sun, you know, you out in the field picking cotton, harvesting, you know, and you're sweating, and, and we're talking, you know, long before I'm, I was born. So we may be talking about the 1940s, maybe even the 50s. And he began to sweat. And whatever that substance was went into his eyes, and he went blind, uh, and he remained so for the, for the duration of, of his life, he operated a store um, out of a separate trailer connected to his house in the, in the swamps and bayou of Mississippi, uh, Louise, Mississippi, to be more specific. Uh, the government has since claimed eminent domain for that land and has moved um, my remaining family members across the highway not very far from, from the old uh, quarter. We called it the quarter. Many of your family called it the quarter with the black folks say, um, near the plantation, you know, near the field. And I'm not necessarily talking about slavery. I'm talking about post-slavery, uh, sharecropping, which was uh, the new form of enslavement. Uh, and so these families were codependent on these farmers, uh, for their livelihood, you know, so it was ex- work for exchange of, you know, living, food, etc. And it was never fair. It was never even, <laughs> you know, it was never uh, designed to truly support us or create uh, a sense of freedom or independence. And so my family, um, many were sharecropping, picking cotton, up until, you know, maybe the last 10 years. Uh, people like to speak of slavery as something that happened long, long, long time ago without understanding the tentacles of that system. Uh, and some rural places still exist today. And so the discussion of Uncle Nisa's going blind and the voodoo woman having done it, and you know, was the first conversation that I can remember, that I can recall uh, in my head. And I thought about it, still think about it quite infrequently, still think about, you know, what was really going on, what was really being said, what really happened. Um, And like many of you and your family, um, no one really wants to give you that information. And often we are too young to question or have a clarity of how to question for that information. Certainly, if you are 30, 35, and over listening under the sound of my voice, 
with a with now a different mindset, seek out the oldest people in your family and begin to ask questions, begin to collect obituaries. It, it's shocking how much information about our family, and I understand that I have an international audience, but particularly the black American family, um, many times the names and, and siblings and family members and details of the family shows up in the obituary. And we go through all our lives knowing, you know, the nickname, knowing the family name, knowing the familiar name and information, without ever questioning, you know, what is your government name? What is your legal name? Which, for those of us who are, you know, embracing ourselves in ancestral work and divination, most certainly DNA, uh, Ancestry.com, 23andMe, uh, those questions are evident, and, and these sites help you to fill in those blanks, help you to answer those questions and extend your range of knowledge about who you are, who your people are, and where you come from. The world is changing around us. Are you paying attention? Africa is waking up. Are you paying attention? And can you envision in your mind, in your imagination, no matter where you are listening to me right now, because I have people listening from Russia to South America to the farthest North America to the farthest South Africa. So people are listening to me now from all over the world, and I'm speaking to each and every one of you. Imagine, envision, use your imagination, the reality, the, the possible reality that in the next 10 years, 5 years, 20 years, we might have to move. We might have to relocate. If it's not, you know, global warming and, and the rise of sea level, if it's not other imbalances in the weather, it's imbalances in politics, imbalances in religion, imbalances in... But as you go along your daily routine and check in on social media and check in, you know, with the news, just imagine, envision the possible reality that wherever you are in the world right now, you might have to move. You might have to relocate. You might have to learn a new language, learn a new culture, associate with new people. Whether it's within the dynamics of your nation, your country, your state, your city, your town, or whether it's to move to the next town over or the next state over or the next country over. I know it's a common conversation whether you all realize it or not in America and particularly in black and brown America the idea that we may have to relocate, we may have to move and where is that? That's something that I think about and in, in, in local New Orleans and, and Louisiana residents and Mississippi residents and Florida residents think about every single year. Every time hurricane season comes through, will we have to evacuate? How long will we have to evacuate? How, you know, to what extent will be the damage determined how long we have to evacuate? And where then do we go? So the idea of spending time 
with worry, spending time in your head, in your consciousness, not just for the, you know, power dynamics, not just for, you know, your ritual request. We're talking about everyday living, everyday survival. And so spiritual growth, evolution, spiritual maturity takes a lot of activity, a lot of time spent in our head, in our consciousness, thinking about, processing, envisioning a reality that mirrors our best interests, envisioning a result that mirrors our best but don't be fooled. Don't be hoodwinked. You you can't get it for nine ninety five, nineteen ninety five, you know, in the mail and, and we'll fix it for you. You must be actively engaged. Actively in your life. Well certainly in the work. But first and foremost, in your life, you must be present. We must be active. We must be doing the work. One of those things that really drew me to voodoo, even as a, as a young, young person, was the awareness of doing something, as opposed to feeling like we are waiting for something, waiting for someone, waiting for a great through and fixing for us without understanding that we must be active and present in the work, in the fix, in the evolution. And it's a daily thing. It's daily. I know you have a spouse. I know you have children. I know you have family, pets, animals to be concerned with throughout the course of your day, but how much time do you dedicate to you, to yourself, to your growth, to your evolution, to the expansion of your spiritual gift, your spiritual knowledge and awareness? Know that I am here for you virtually 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Just visit my website at www.houseofthedivineprince.com. You can email me at divineprince at houseofthedivineprince.com. Works for 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, operating in 360 degrees of consciousness, awareness, and manifestation. I certainly look forward to being present with you here again tomorrow at high noon U.S. Standard Time. You know, I got a a mic. I got a Yeti blue mic. Um, it really came with no instructions to speak of. I mean, I got a picture of the mic. It's got BlueMike.com, we're on it. Uh, I'm not sure I even got that link to work. But I was able to find Yeti 
Blues website. Um, it's not helpful. <laughs> Yeti Blue, if you're listening, it's not helpful. These, these instructions make no sense. Um, it, it does not connect you with your device and, and how to use it. So prayerfully, I'll have this thing operating uh, maybe by tomorrow. I don't know. And I want you to give me feedback on, on the sound once I get this um, new system set up and working. But until then, remember that all is truly and indeed a blessing if you can just see beyond the veil. For it's all just an illusion and a test and one of the greatest divine mysteries of this life. Until next time. Congo Square. The Omus Indians, the Omus Indians prepared this place for us centuries before our arrival. A sacred spot where corn festivals were celebrated. The almost Indians prepared this place for us. Centuries before our arrival. Congo Square, a sacred spot where corn festivals were celebrated. And as the colonizers came, our hosts, the almost Indians, they pushed aside our hosts. The colonizers came and pushed aside our host and introduced us in chains. And by the late 1700s, we somehow, recognizing the sacredness of Les Places de Congo, we somehow, and the how of our somehow persuasive methodologies is not clear at this moment. The how is not clear. How our persuasive methodologies worked is not clear at this moment, but nevertheless, even as slaves, we crafted and created a space where we could be free to be we. And thusly, thusly we countered the sacrilegiousness of the French, giving great homage to our ancestors as well as giving praise and thanks to our red-blooded brothers and sisters. This is an oral libation toast to Congo Square, to Native Americans, to our ancestors who made a circle out of a square and gave us a way to stay ourselves Save ourselves from the transformatory ugliness of America, which refuses to recognize the spirituality of life, which refuses to recognize the spirituality of life and celebrates death with crosses and crosses, double and triple crosses, the middle passage, the first cross, Christianity, the double cross, and capitalism, the ultimate triple coup de gras cross of our captivity. But the terror of crosses notwithstanding, we sang, we beat, 
we be, we was, and is. Hail Congo Square. Congo, Congo Square. Our African gods have not been obliterated. They have merely retreated inside the beat of us. Inside the beat of us. Our African gods have not been obliterated. They have merely retreated, retreated inside the beat of us until we are ready to release them into a world that we recreate. A world harrowed by the beat. Be, beat, being, beating, being of black heart drums. Heart beat. Heart beat. Heart beat at this place. At this place. Be heart beat. Be we beating place in new world space. Beating being in place in new world, preserving our ancient pace. Our dance is the God walk. Our music, the God talk. First thing we do, let's get together. Circle ourselves into community. No beginning, no end. Connected together and singing, ringing, singing in a ring. Second, let's be original, aboriginal. Be what we were before we became what we are. Be bambula dance. Be bonza music. And sing song words which have no English translation. Third, let us remember. Let us remember never to forget. Even when we can't remember the specifics, we must retain the essentials. Let us remember never to forget. Even when we can't remember the specifics, we must retain the essentials. The bounce, the blood, flow, the feel, the spirit, grow, energy. Must retain and pass on the essential us-ness that others want to dissipate, whip out of us. But no matter... No matter how much of us they prohibit, no matter how much of us they prohibit, deep inside us is us. Deep inside us is us. Remains us inside and needs only the beat to set us free. The beat to free us. It is morning. A sun day, a feel, a feel without shade, but dark, dark with the people black of us in various, various, various shades, eclipsing the sun with our elegance. We are 
centuries later now, and still this sacred ground calls us to remember, to beat, to be. We are centuries later now, and still this sacred ground calls us to remember, to beat, to be, beat Congo Square, be Congo Square. Remember. Yeah. 